podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Peace. I'm just My man, Justice Raji. Man, so um, I wanted us to add on we we a couple weeks ago we discussed the interview uh with rich rich paul and in that discussion i think we i think we touched on that he you know he's kind of having his media appearances kind of t- tuning in with release of his uh, uh memoir and uh well i think on the combination of your recommendation after after getting a chance to read it and then read myself we thought i thought it'd be good to have a quick actual talk kind of in real time <laughs> about the, the 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 memoir and a couple of pieces he touches on um in, in it and uh yeah and then and go from there the uh the thing i, I would i want to frame just to give some structure that's starting to talk about it is that in one of my thoughts um as a as a creative I guess person who thinks about writing, <laughs> who has at least at least written a couple things that I've tried to get published, uh, but have thought about the um, when, and he's a little younger than us, but the you know the larger, wider, the short to the wide window of our age range that lived through the, you know, were teenagers or young adults in the eighties and nineties. And uh, the impact of the crack age, the the AIDS age, the Reagan uh, revolution, the Clinton, uh, we're going to call it the modern, 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 modern middle of the road illusion. You know what I'm saying? Like sort of acting like you was going super progressive, but actually sort of adopting a lot of kind of conservative dreams, at least on economic and social policy. Uh, Well, and I think, you know, I will say that I think starting middle but like starting being very middle of the road because of the issues in 88 because mm-hmm. i think it's framing clinton without mentioning dukakis doesn't yeah we can't tell the whole story but i mean that's a that's a different conversation absolutely absolutely and just in in all the areas so from the memoirs to i think narrative stories i mean i guess there's some that some folks would maybe consider that novels um you know, maybe folks look at some TV shows like uh, Snowfall, uh, The Wire, I guess in a sense of a real-time kind of context, right? Of, But just really like folks from our generation window talking about the nature of this experience and like being wherever you are today. Uh, I guess you might be able to throw the other West Moore in there maybe, right? As a book. Anyway, that's the, that's the, th- the, the, the touch point that I, that I was you know, interested in, or, or at least rose to the top for me. But also, it was a, um, it was a, it was like a snappy read. And you know, I, I had I bought the, the the book and started reading, but also got the audio book, which he actually narrates 
himself. So in a sense, you know, it was very well delivered within that context. It's like talking to Rich Paul for three hours. You know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> sense, like like mm. said, Rob, you're washing your dishes, Rich Paul doing a little cardio, Rich Paul telling you about his situation. Um, so, you know, um, so I guess I was going to say, you know, what are just, uh, because there's a couple ones that stood out to me. His dis- his discussion of his relationship with his father, and and that relationship of his father to not just the social dynamics of his neighborhood, but also the economic dynamics of his neighborhood, uh, was really interesting and something I hope we could touch on. And then the way he <laughs> articulated the idea that he. You know, Cleveland is a place. The only thing you see is more Cleveland, which was mm. a very like, you know, the just the, the construct of exposure that is always brought up when you're in any room around like what people become and like success is like you, you know you can't see it, you can't achieve it if you don't see it, and these other things and like the way even that idea operates differently. I think regionally is something that we don't always discuss. Um, so. You know, not saying you got to speak to any of those, but I guess oh, what's, no, the, man. See, what's the place see, where that's you? The thing, man, that was some deep shit. You started deep. Um, <laughs> deep, deep, deep. Um, no. So I mean, I think you know one of the things your point around the relationship with him and his father and him and his mother. Yeah, I think <clears throat> you know we we had this idea of the villainization of black men and black men weren't being fathers. And then we've had this trove of narrative and backed by some data that black fathers are the best fathers in the world. And just like most human things, it probably falls somewhere in the middle, right? When someone told you the worst person doing something, it probably wasn't true. They tell you the best person doing something, it probably isn't true. You know, like now, you know, Oldhead told me something one day that was interesting. He was like, a lot of black men are raising children. They're not always necessarily raising or in in the home, I should say, let me be specific. Mm -hmm. They are not always in the home with their children, Mm -hmm. which was an interesting thing of thinking about of a communal structure, not just what we call a nuclear structure. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, you know, people are being present in a variety of ways. But suffice to say, in this context, his father and you know, to your point, not only just like my father is present. He didn't paint his father as an angel. He didn't paint his father as the villain. His father was his father, but he was a man that looked to set a base and in, in a foundation of values and character in a world. And this goes to your point in a world where values and character kind of got on a slippery slope. During the crack era. And I mean that in the context of you went from this like communal context in many spaces to then communities that were being torn apart by forces not common, not understood at that moment. Mm-hmm. When things are happening and you recognize that like the the kid who was, you know, uh, working at the laundromat now has a BMW, <laughs> right? And that happens in a year and a half. Yeah. When you recognize that the stores 
in your in your neighborhood that were inhabited by different merchants now are closing. And it's happening really fast. And, and, you know, as us living through it, you recognize that you see the factors, but you don't know what's behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the idea of this manhood and being like affirming your not only your personal family, but your community in a time of big transition was really important and how he kind of like laid that out. Right. And And he was very. You know, and obviously we're talking about it, so y'all should go get the book. But like, (laughs) but like how he laid it out in the level of clarity and the level of how visual he was about these stories, I think are really important to that time and really important to understanding what it meant from your character perspective. And I'll touch on this other thing, what it meant from an economic perspective when you may be the only store that's providing these things for your community. And you have to be the arbiter of, again, character, the arbiter of fairness, the the arbiter of need, right? Mm -hmm. And what kind of leadership do you have to show? And I would argue it was a more quiet leadership he showed of what it meant to be an arbiter of a community good, an arbiter of community needs in a time of of big change. You know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think the... uh, Go ahead. No, the... you brought up, you know, to the discussion of uh, his mother and the person who his mother was, right, in totality, and then also the experience of his mother when she, you know, was in whatever stage of struggling with addiction. And that, uh, you know, it's in terms of, you know, we, as a society, we've said many times, our society does not deal in nuance well. We don't, um, like to like engage the idea that a mother could be struggling with addiction and also hold deep seated love and care for her children, uh, for her family, for trying to, you know, win, win present, trying to like, and give them a certain perspective and, and direction and guidance uh you know understanding that yes there is a a reality of some undermining of what you're saying is the way to go when you're not maybe doing what the way to go is however that doesn't change the fact that that's your mother you know if that if that's your mom's or that's your aunt or your cousin or your sister or whatever brother. and you know that's some that's some black ass shit too that's that's your mother that's your mother <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> that hit you with it too like that's your mother that's still your mother like you know what I'm saying and uh it's so I, I really appreciated how he engaged, you know, you know, speaking, of, you know, of his. I don't know his mama like that, so I ain't gonna call her by his first name because he could do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, <laughs> that's right. Another that's, black, another black thing. <laughs> that's that. That's Rich Paul, mama, as far as I'm concerned, right? Um, and that between the two, and then you know when he speaks of which I appreciated of sort of the larger family dynamics of like. You know, his pops had, you know, his pops stood up to look out for him and his sister because that was was his were his kids, but he had a marriage <laughs> over here, right? And, right? and he had to make some, you know, decisions that would be appropriate to look out for them while also respecting the situation that he has over here. Now I know for some folks that, you know, like, you know, if you if you exist in a um 
I don't know, in a, in a moral binary world, you know, maybe you, you, you can't see the honor in organizing <laughs> of like, yo, I, <laughs> I got a family. I made, I, I had a decision I made resulted in some children over here. So I have, I'm going to build and do what I do to make a space. So they got somewhere to be and I can, you know, structure some world for them uh, as something honorable, you know, However, you know, in my in my my equation, <laughs> the world is like, yo, that's you being a stand up dude, right? Like you, you know, you providing what you can provide. You're putting in the structure that you can put in, and it it made me think about just again, like operating within a, a larger context that may limit your ambitions and options, right? And he speaks about like his father, like starting the store. So he could have a business of his own, right? That mm-hmm. and not wanting to 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 you know work in someone else's operation. Uh, so then, with that becomes comes a unfortunately a need to at least brush up against other elements of society in terms of develop. You know, even in, I mean, like a speakeasy that you run. You know, you know, after hours in in, in upstairs, part of one of your buildings, the building that you own. Is not the uh, you know not the the den of ill repute so to speak that one could own, but also you know it is it is an off the books business, <laughs> shit, shit, and shit could happen. I, but you know what? Look, it, to your point, I want to touch on that because I think it, it's part of your second point. But I want to I want to you know kind of add on regarding that. So you have this space where. Again, thinking communally, right? Because he's defining his mother and them coming from another Rust Belt manufacturing place like St. Louis, right? right? Mm-hmm. They come from St. Louis to Cleveland. You know, again, this big period of transition. The you know, as a father, okay, owning a store and then having other methodologies of engaging your community and supporting yourself and your family, right? But. If you don't have the business owner, you don't have the person that can give someone opportunity. Sometimes if you don't have the guy with the speakeasy, right, you don't have the person that can allow someone to work off the books a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're looking at post-industrial American society and the havoc that it rained on communities. These kind of folks are the folks that keep a community afloat the relationships that keep a community afloat. And I think often when we're talking about community, we, we think of it in this very moral, uh, morally arbitrary way, again, of like, a community looks like this. No, a community looks like what you got mm-hmm. and how you make it a community, how you make it one and how people interact in a healthy and functional way. And I think he did a great job of under talking about the rules that underpin communities that often are misunderstood by people outside of communities Mm -hmm. and why that's important. The, 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 the grace you might have to give somebody that did something in order to leverage it out later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The decisions in, in, in as evidenced by his father who had to give a lot of grace, but also had to be very clear with not only rich Paul, but, people around them of how he was going to show up. And I think it, to your point, we don't do nuance well. And even sometimes our narratives about ourselves, we don't do nuance well. Yeah. 
right? And I think we have to be very careful with being absolutist, even in our narratives of our own communities, how they function, how they show up, and what family looks like outside of something that was a, also a construct, frankly, of the economics of the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that's one that was going to be rough for people to hear this, but understand that what you call the nuclear family also had its structure mm-hmm. based on, you know, what we now know in America's nuclear family had its structure based on the economics of, of industrial America. Right. Right. And, and, that, and I guess for those that might be, or at least the, the wrinkle I will add to that is that the most, a lot of families, I would say, and speaking for my own, always had a mix of some intergenerational and is it, I don't know what the term would be based on the multi-generational, multi-access. Extra, yeah. You know, extra people. <laughs> extra marital. Yeah, like constructs of like who's in the family and then who in the family is also part of the community and you know as a what they'll say fictive kin like all of the like the idea that the the, the presence of support and how you took care of yourself day to day was only this you know mother father that got married you know mother you know two parents and no one else played in the equation is just that that's not how my people made a go of it <laughs> from uh any of the places all the places that i've been able to have the time to track down like all right here's where my mom's grew up here's where my dad grew up here's where my mom's mom grew up here's where my mom's 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 grew up. like it's always been you know might have been some there's some couples and then there's there's people two steps away. There's an uncle and an aunt living down the street. There's, you know, there's a grandparent over, you know, it's never, it's never been, you know, they just, those two set out like on the pioneering spirit or something. And, right. And that's how they made it go to like build some structure to, to pass, you know, just to have, you know, to have a home and well-being as they experienced it in something to pass no, to me. No. Right. No, that, that's, that's a good point. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I have no nostalgia nor, you know, I'm not a person that's out, you know, some people like, you know, y'all just need to be in the house with your, with your kids. And like, if you can, that's great. If y'all can't work it out socially, just have a support system, have a plan <laughs> that y'all, you know, and then, you know, the, the, to me, the love and the care need to be there from all the generations that are present. You know what I mean? But we can get into that another time. Yeah. Uh, well, no, and I, I think that's a, that's a, actually a point for your second, your insightful point around his representation of Cleveland, which I think he did a really good job of bringing Cleveland to life. You know, we, we learn a lot about the coastal cities, mm-hmm. um, generally speaking. And then now through um, some other shows, we're learning more about places like maybe Detroit or, you know, one picture of Atlanta. Um, but everything else is kind of, you define a city by the rappers that you heard of. Yeah, and Cleveland's one of those. Philadelphia's another one of them. Like everyone thought, everyone either acted like Fresh Prince or <laughs> the Roots until Beans came out, right? Like, right. but but communities are multifaceted. So a lot of people had this assumption that Cleveland was only like 
whoever Bone Thugs and Harmony from East 99 and St. Clair, which as he right. talked about was one particular block. Right. It's one neighborhood. It's not one way, one part of one neighborhood on one side of Detroit. I mean, one side of Cleveland that gets framed as the broader expression. But one thing your point that made me think of this is like when we think about Black Wall Streets and, and and those kind of things, you know, when we're talking about the nostalgia of communities that um, were primarily black or mostly black, and we know and we 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 revel in these ideas of well, you know, anything you need you could get in this community. We had everything here, black doctors and this, that, and the third, right? Um, he's actually showing you a picture of a place where it's like, no, we don't have everything here. Right, like, right. We everything's don't. not here. We're here. We're here, but everything we need is not here. And I think that is a more accurate reflection of, like you said, people in Generation X or older millennials that you grow up in a time that, no, everything's not here. And, you know, to be what you want to be is you're only going to see more of what you already see. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is this, how do you actually frame broader community success when what you're seeing is only being like a replaying story differently than the nostalgia of our past? Yeah, and it's a, you know, I really appreciate it. I mean, you know, I guess we're both, we'll share the the interest in, in, in understanding the sort of like, whatever windows you can to understand different areas, you know, where folks are and like how they live and language and slang and like customs, like all the stuff. Right. And it, you know, it's not easy to, to learn those things about a place, you know, even if you don't have like a personal connection, you know what I'm saying? Or a social connection, meaning you started going to, you know, if you started going to that community (laughs) for some reason, you know what I mean? Then you might know more about it or you happen to work with, oh, I had a coworker. I went to college with a dude from, you know, fill in the blank of the, oh, this sister I used to talk to or I used to work with is from XYZ. And she told me, you know, X, you know, you know, W, you know, K, K, K through, <laughs> K through R about this place. So now I have a snapshot of what life was maybe like right there, like how they approached and how they, what they experienced. And I and I think that he did a I think this the the memoir is a short piece does a great job at least to me, you know, giving a, a snapshot of of his experience, um, and the window of age that he came up in. The um, other uh, point that I thought was interesting, and then I don't want to like you know I'm a folks I appreciate folks to actually read the stories. I don't want to like tell all the all the beats. Uh, but like, you know, here's actually a discussion about sort of like how you can be someone to hustle up a dollar you know, and, you know, and even engagement with, you know, with, you know, talking about the dice playing and, the, and the other things. And then, but then also stuff like, you know, selling shirts and, uh, you know, buying clothes and, mm-hmm. you know, these various little aspects, like most of us have a, if you explore your memory, at least like the kid that like, man, that dude seemed to be dressing differently than the rest of us. How the hell does he know all this stuff? Where did he get that information from? Uh, sometimes you might be that person. Maybe, maybe you is the one, right? Uh, but I think that's always an interesting, 
you know, then to get like it, at least in this sense, apparently, unless Mike come out and be like, Rich Paul is lying. He ain't do none of that. I'm the real Rich Paul. That's like some other dude. Like, <laughs> I'm the real. He well, he telling his life based on me, right? Like, which I'm sure if it's America, there's somebody in Cleveland that's like, oh, Rich Paul out here lying about who he is. You know what I'm saying? I was right, man. right. He took he, he took his whole style. He took his whole style, style for me. me. But I, I, <laughs> to your point, I think. It was re- it was a reflection of the like you have you, you know you have an identity of regions that are individual identities right now you have like what I would call this like broader world of like the singularity of black identity like obviously you have certain distinctions in regional things that still are around with accents and things. But if you picked a kid in Portland or you picked a kid in Charlotte, North Carolina, there's a good chance that they're going to be wearing the same outfit today. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, you wouldn't, 30 years ago, you would not have said that. 30 years ago, you met people and it was like an entirely different world. You met someone from Cleveland versus somebody from Columbus versus somebody from Pittsburgh versus somebody from New York. Like they all had different identities. Hip hop has almost created like this singular identity, which I think is actually not good. I'm gonna put a value judgment on it. Yeah. Because you lose the creativity of unique sets of places that are distinct in their, you know, their their sense of self. So I think him bringing that to bear, but also bringing the fact that it's not just drugs. Right. Because again, that can be also the only thing like, okay, he went in depth into gambling because that was his, you know, that's kind of the story narrative. But it's also important to recognize there's other ways that people make money in alternative economies. And all the alternative economies are not necessarily antisocial. Right. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. in, in, in making sure that we don't think that all the time, that just because it might be extra extra legal <laughs> like outside the legal system right 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 or inside of our you know what i mean that it's necessarily like an anti-social set of behaviors whether it was him selling uh mitchell and ness sweatshirts or him selling whatever or gambling right so i just think it's a it's a good memoir and i really think you know i actually shared it with messiah um you know for him to read because I think it's a really good way for young people to recognize the world that existed before them. I'm not going to compare it to as such, but I'll share like when I read Man, Child and Promised Land by, by Claude Brown, mm-hmm. you know, it took me to another space of like understanding Harlem in the 50s and 60s while I'm growing up in the 80s and 90s. Right. And also his second book, which people don't talk about as much as Children of Ham. Mm-hmm. which is also um, like a, a really good book. But like, I, I think it's important for people to see that or, or similar to how Todd and Heezy Coates used the 80s and like a beautiful struggle. Like, I think it's important for young people to develop that collective memory, that collective muscle of memory, because I think things move so fast now that people can't see a time before them. So for young people, Anything before what has happened to them in their lives, damn near doesn't exist if it doesn't have to do with sneakers. Right. <laughs> if I, you know what I'm saying? If I got to do with Jordans, it damn near doesn't have, it didn't happen before you, right? 
And so I think it's good for someone like him to give this memoir to be able to share, you know, those kind of poignant things that define someone's life in ways that you don't think Richard Paul's life is defined like that because you meet you by the time you see him, he's on the floor with Adele. Right. Or right. you know what I mean? Like versus like these are the experiences that made it. Yeah. I think the uh the telling of I think it's important that folks tell their story. Right. And you know I think it's individually important sometimes. To, uh, well, not just sometimes. I think for most folks, I mean, I, to to create some level of self-reflection, right? To look back at your own story. And, and there's a fair amount of, uh, you know, I know there's also now, there's, there's at least on the internet still, the cottage energy in, industry of like, let me tell you about, you know, how I made this in some sort of business and then get my ebook. And then the ebook is in this person telling, you know, maybe a good or maybe not too good. I would know because I didn't buy some of them ebooks. But, you know, the the early uh it, early it's returns great in theory, are not promising. Man. It's great, it's great in theory, right? But it feels like the printed shirt variation of a style in the neighborhood. Like you you heard of it was a hustle and you wanted to get rich fast. Like mm-hmm. Yo, know, for the cost of doing the writing, if you're really doing the editing well and the formatting, do that and also maybe do a recording of the book so people can listen to it and not just have to read this print in 18 print, this 18 times new Roman print that you <laughs> sold somebody a, a book talking about how they can flip properties, right? Right. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, you know, again, like how do you start to create product that matches what's important to people without getting over on people? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I and I do think that, you know, you're pointing around like being able to have access to a good a good story being told that's not that's not like low quality. And I'm not talking about their experience, but more or just the way they're presented. Right. The way the way it's been developed and what what your your capacity to you know, I, I think it, it, it's it's there's a place for self-reflection right like you write you know and i think a lot of us could benefit from like writing a draft right of re retelling some part of your life that you experienced that you think is informative right to where you're at and then it's important to have somebody ask you questions about that draft <laughs> and go like tell me more about this situation and and what what you know what were you feeling when you know x this happened with you and your and your brother right or what what you know right were the other factors right so that then when you tell that story uh you can spread you know beyond just uh your personal experience with it but look at like my situation within the context of other social uh factors other things that were happening in the world other forces other the other moving parts of the world um and especially you know anything um which is a danger when you have someone who has become very successful. Like you, you tell the story as if like, yeah, you know, I'm the only one, I'm the best ever. Right. And I think he did a great job of like, nah, like I, I, I've, I've, I've made a way and there's good things that were a part the people, there's people who you might want me to tell a story that I made this way in spite of them. 
instead I'm going to I'm sharing that some of these people are like they're they're not and in spite they may have presented challenges but they're a part of why I'm successful and and it's something that right. uh I would say for me most of the time even you know and we've been in community and in the world for a long time and you you go in a space and somebody got an inspirational story about why to support one thing or another thing and somewhere in that story there's usually you know, to me, as I see it, a 1.0 retelling of that story where it's like, yeah, nobody cared about me. Nobody loved me. Nobody, nothing. Everything was terrible. And it's like, you know, sometimes that sounds good to get people to raise, to to get busy at the paddle raise. But in the, in the deeper annals of that story, it's like, yeah, but also some, I mean, you know, might've been a couple people in there. They might they might have been trying, right? They may not have been successful, right. or they might not have been the best role model. But the idea that the only way we can tell these stories is then also by like looking at it. I guess I mean, way I can say it is as like this deficit model of the people who were around and amongst you, and not a. There's things that those people could have done better. Also, there's a lot of things that they these people around me helped me with, right? And you know, the, 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 some of the key points in my story may be also the other people I added on or, or, or who, who opened themselves up to me, you know, due to how I showed up in the world, you know, and I think like that's demonstrated in his piece when he talks about like the getting into like the Mitchell and that stuff and the jerseys and like due to the way he was carrying himself, folks from outside of his space, seeing something that uh you may if not necessarily familiar at least was like okay yeah, there's something here right and and i think he was source that some of that stuff came from his parents right that came from his peoples like it didn't come from some like i didn't know nothing about anything till i met you know a business uh dude someplace and now you know he's like my patron uh <laughs> my patron saint of how to like get busy in the world it's like nah like my people's actually my people's new stuff too, you know what I'm saying? And I also learned from this other stuff. And I think that uh, in a world right now where you know, I, I get a feeling, a sense from some young folks or is in, 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 the, in the conflict attention of even like how are we moving and changing the world and of I don't want to, I don't want to throw out all the value of just being where I'm from also from the dialogue about like what I want, where I'm, where I'm at to be or where I'm going to be. And uh, I would love to see, um, you know, I, th- I think that's a, a good thing to try to like to strike that balance that like, you're not just uh yes, we are maybe experiencing a deficit in access and opportunity and, and many other things, but it's not because of, of an, you know, the, the, there's not, it's not a zero. There, there's, there's something here. It just may not have everything that I need to like build the world that I want to build. And, and it doesn't have to look like everybody else's, right? Mm-hmm. Healthy families and communities can be framed differently. That's really, again, one of the things I took is like, you know, people were supportive of him through a lot of different means, even when the family were dealing with some acute challenges. So putting family and having family in the broadest sense, put their arms around him and his sister and brother, even they had some really, you know, kind of acute issues and challenges. It was the big thing and how the community and the values of the community as evidenced by his father set the tone for that. 
because the world is just not going to happen all in our children's and our, our houses, right? Like people have to get outside and interact with people, but they have to have, um, you know, values, they have to have character, they have to have a perspective. And so I think it's a a good book to to hear and see that and see also for, for young people and not so young people who may still be on paths, what are the roles that and what things that they can do to start really thinking about their futures in a Cleveland where all you see is this thing. What are the new ways to see a new world? Yeah. 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 So, you know, um, Go get it. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, you know, Rich Paul, Lucky Me, name of the book. Let me make sure I got the I think he's a co-author. Yeah. Jesse Washington. Jesse Washington. Yeah, I, t- I think it's a it's a good read. You know, don't it's, it's written. I feel it's actually written at a at a level that a lot of folks that is accessible. You know, so I think folks could kind of jump into it. And uh, I really appreciate. It. I thank him for sharing his story. Yeah, and you know, it's cool. It came out. I think it, I think it was. If it's not the first thing on Rocklit, it's one of them. Okay. Um, on on the Rock Nation literature uh, play, you know, so also an interesting thing where, you know, Jay-Z and and at all, because, you know, we can get into this, like, Jay-Z's doing it by himself. Like, come on, Jay-Z's not doing all this shit by himself, dog. Like, that's also probably sometimes the LeBron thing. Like, what LeBron doing, like, no, it's Rich Paul, it's Maverick, it's their uh, their other homie that I'm just forgetting his name right now, but like, Brandy, Randy Mims, like, Mm -hmm. They're running a corporation. Like they're not, it's not just them. It's like, you know, what we do with white people do like Bill Gates and them. Right, right. Like, Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that's the new one. That's the new one. Jeff Bezos. Bezos. <laughs> like, out here. You know what I'm saying? It'd be at least with Warren Buffett, you usually hear if you if you hear anybody that really know about Warren Buffett, they'll always talk about Charlie Munger, you know what I'm saying? With him. So at least they oh, get yeah. to be a duo. But you know, it's like uh, it's it's probably some other people. <laughs> <laughs> too like a part right. of being a great you know great advantage of the thing is also picking other good people to like do your thing with so it ain't <laughs> if if great managers don't have great managers around they're not great managers great leaders frankly you know what right. i'm saying so you, you you can't do that so they have good people around them so the idea that now you know rock rock nation is getting into literature as well producing stories that are important to our community because while we don't have like the maybe the independent black book culture of the eighties and nineties, the fact that you can get this kind of memoir anywhere where before you would have had to go like find the black bookstore in your community, hope they had a copy or when they was going to get some more, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but being able to get this anywhere, you know what I mean? I think is uh is good. So yeah, shout out to that. Shout out yeah. to, to so- so you know, just wanted to keep it keep it tight. You know what I'm saying? Lock in, share something. You know, try and get better every day. We'll be back though. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> Although, just I'll just put it out there. Black Thought got a piece coming out, and I already got it uh, on the pre order. Um, so uh, you know, in any event, yeah, we're going to probably yeah, we'll talk about that at yeah, some point we'll about that as well. But um, you know, otherwise, with that, I mean, I say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Good Brothers is a part of the Ash Overhead podcast, and I bring these conversations and these pieces to you as often as I can uh, with the intent of giving you something to to grow and to learn and to move and to find some, some value from. 
You can support the podcast by rating, subscribing, sharing, wherever you listen. Um, you can also support the podcast by becoming a patron. Just search Justice Raji on Patreon and subscribe. And you can, uh, you know, contribute to keep the creative airways flowing. Uh, outside of that, you know, the shop is still up on Etsy and on AstroHead.com. You can buy a sweatshirt or a t-shirt or a mug. Uh, you know, show some love. In any event, we're getting into the winter seasons, the autumn seasons, I guess, currently. And the daylight savings time done hit. So, you know, stay sharp. You know, blow your leaves. And um, you know, if you got leaves, you got a yard. You know what I'm saying? If you don't, that's cool, too. You know what I'm saying? But do you. Be safe, so peace.